This is episode 26, A Literal Pain in the Ass. I'm telling you, I have not met a chronic pain patient who has not wanted to not be on this earth, who has not said, I don't want to live anymore. Mm. And then, so what I tell them is, well, you wouldn't be normal if you wanted to live in pain. So (laughs) how about we get you out of pain so that you can live on this earth? Because I wouldn't want to live on this earth either. In this episode of the Language of Creativity podcast, I share a very personal part of my journey. How I found treatment for a little-known but widely suffered condition called chronic pelvic pain syndrome. Elizabeth Mackis is a pioneer in the emerging field of pelvic floor therapy. As a physical therapist, she has been treating people with lymphedema and pelvic floor dysfunction. She's developed new treatments that allow people to regain freedom in their lives, trained many new therapists in the field, and helped develop self-help products for at-home therapy. This episode was recorded in January of 2021, and it's the last episode that I recorded during the COVID lockdown. Sitting professions can be so unhealthy, and I've met so many others that suffer silently and don't know that there's treatment. This recovery process was such an important part of my life that I feel I must share it with others. Please enjoy my interview with Elizabeth Mackis. This is the Language of Creativity Podcast. Cool. All right. Can you see me? Yeah. Okay, cool. Let me grab my water. I left it across the room. <laughs> that looks good. That's Sounds cool. Good. Now, can you see me? Yes. My screen's a lot smaller, but yes, I can see you. Oh, okay. This is cool. How's that? <laughs> this is all an adventure. Yeah, usually I like Uh to be in that chair right by the tree. Oh, well, you know what I really like, though? In fact, at least I can see you because, like, I just did this webinar, and unfortunately, yeah, there's no audience, no interaction, no nothing. It's so weird. It is weird. And you're in a very physical profession. (laughs) Yes. You're you're a people person. Uh, Totally. So I like touch, and I like seeing people, feeling people. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, at least we have our close family members for hugs and stuff. Yeah, thank God, because not so many of my patients don't have that, you know, and it's just really sad. Yeah, it's really sad. People need touch. They need to be, they need to be able to leave their house, and it's been really hard on them, you know. Mm -hmm. How have you been? Oh, good. It's, um, yeah, been very busy. (laughs) Really? The physical therapy office has Um, been really busy, huh? Oh my gosh, I'm slammed. I have, yeah, and I'm still trying to hire more people. I have the two pelvic floor therapists, and I'm trying to teach them a little bit of lymphedema, but I need help because now I'm still seeing a lot of patients every day. I'm the most productive therapist there. <laughs> when you're, you're always training new people, and yeah. they go off and they like make disciples. <laughs> yes, exactly. And I tried to. I thank God I did interview another gal, and she was new grad out of school. So I told her, I said, "You do you like Santa Clarita?" She was actually. You know, she was actually doing her internship in the inpatient. And my boss told her straight up, do you like Santa Clarita? And she said, well, it's interesting. <laughs> and I said, well, okay, so you're a city girl, so maybe you shouldn't come to work for me because you're going to want to go back to the city. Yeah. We're, we're suburbs all the way here. <laughs> it's so hard training someone and everything you know and all the finer points of it and then, you know, 
<laughs> then yeah, I mean, it takes a year. I mean, at least oh. of investment and time. And you know, you're busy. You need help. Yeah. And you know, I'm glad to share my gifts and my skills, and that they go off and use it in other areas where they're needed. I get that whole thing, but I'm still tired because I'm yeah. old. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah. So, how young are you? <laughs> I'm 55. Wow. <laughs> Yeah. I know. And yesterday I had the aide in the room because I have this man who I feel very hard, sad for. He's 600 pounds. And I'm unfortunately having to be the one to take care of his wounds because none of the wound doctors will. None of the hospitals will take him right now. and Nobody will take him. Mm. So I'm the one. So he has to have two plints for one body he's carried in by four big men with an ambulance and then so i'm having to pick that leg up to wrap it and so one of the aides comes in to help me i do try to get two or three people helping me to wrap one leg and you know and he's got a huge open wound it's the saddest thing so i'm doing my best but it's very exhausting but you know i'm picking up this leg you know and yeah, and I wrapped the leg. It's just a three-hour thing, so I'm doing it wow. all on my own time, you know, after work, basically. But um, the aide afterwards was like, oh, my God. And she was only there in there like 30 minutes, right? Mm. She's like so exhausted. <laughs> and she's like, oh, my God, I'm so tired. And I'm like, okay, yeah, well, <laughs> you need to work out because <laughs> that's why I work out. Yeah, you have a very physical job. Oh, totally physical, yeah. Yeah, and you're like, a, you're like the Energizer Bunny. <laughs> Well, I thank God for that every day because there are days like last night I went home and I'm like, I can't do this anymore. It's like, but that's not your normal patient either. But now is know, that story. So we have to cut that out or is that, um, you know what, actually he's really pretty awesome in terms of, you know, I think he wants a voice he, um, mm. cause he was misdiagnosed a lot of years cause nobody just knew what it was lymphedema, you know? Mm. So I'll ask him, he'll probably be totally fine with it. What is lymphedema? So lymphedema is um, when there's a compromise to your lymphatic system. And in, in the United States, the most common thing that you see is for cancer patients because they have their lymph nodes removed, lymph node dissection. Right. Or they will have them radiated or, um, you know, there's a compromise. So then that means that the lymphatic fluid, which is the part of our body that actually creates your immune system and gets rid of all the junk in your blood so it gets rid of all the um, bad stuff in your body it cleans your body out but there are big large protein molecules because of that so if you block your body's ability to get rid of the protein molecules they sit usually in your extremities or your abdomen or your testicles mm. loose skin so it can you know goes wherever the body has a loosest skin but it usually travels distally especially in the feet cuz gravity carries it down wow and then when it can't get out the fluid surrounds it because of osmotic pressure and they get bigger and bigger and bigger and more fibrotic and it's just a sad thing and the case of primary lymphedema like he has when you have primary lymphedema, you're born probably without lymph nodes, enough lymph nodes, and you don't know till you get older and you have an accident, an injury, and you don't know why your legs are swelling and nobody can help you. And now, hopefully, doctors know more, but sometimes they, they don't. They're just not aware. And so then it the, just becomes a life cycle where they're crippled in bed and very hopeless. It's very sad. Wow. And um, so that's not that common, but... 
it I mean that is what I see so mm-hmm. it's not uncommon either so um so I know you because you helped my mom when she had a major accident on the movie and oh, yeah. she broke her hip socket in three places and was an absolute mess and she came to you and you helped put her all back together <laughs> yeah she's an amazing tough woman but uh yeah i did my best and yeah and then she goes right back out there she's tough those stunt people are a different kind of breed yeah. um but i love them to death and i love her to death of course but yeah so um and that's where my lymphatic and pelvic floor therapy treatments come in because i think she went on to break her pelvis in a bunch of places in another time too. i think that was that injury uh, yeah, oh that so one yeah. was oh because i know she's broken a lot of things um so um but yeah so i u- was able to use my pelvic therapy skills because we're a lot of orthopedic therapists which i don't know why they all don't go into lymphedema and pelvic floor therapy because it helps in so many ways when you have a patient who breaks a pelvis and her femur they still get a lot of pelvic pain out of it so if you can actually not only treat externally and internally it's just life changing right and um and it it can really improve recovery a lot and then if you can do manual lymph drainage and not just soft tissue mobilization and connective tissue mobilization, then you can even get them better faster. And then you gain a whole lot of skills when you do lymphedema and compression therapy. Right. And it's really sometimes hard, um, as I did with your mom tonight, to convince them that they need that compression because <laughs> things hurt really bad when you fracture and they put a bunch of rods in you and put you all back together again. Right. Um, but what is really awesome if you get them the right kind of compression then it will prevent them from getting blood clots anytime you improve your lymphatic flow you improve your circulation which prevents infections and then you also um you improve healing because you have better circulation. Right. So compression therapy is the most amazing thing in the world. And so many therapists miss that boat when it's so exciting to be able to have that tool. Well, and also um, to explain, you know, pelvic floor therapy, a lot of the ligaments and bones and joints and things in the pelvis are otherwise unreachable externally. Yes. Um, And deep in the pelvic floor. And sometimes you're Absolutely. You can only do so much externally. So, and some people say internally, like, and it kind of makes them a little crazy. Like, what is she talking about? Yes, I am talking about your vagina if you're a woman and your rectum if you're a male. So, (laughs) yes, it can all be helped. And it is truly amazing to be able to help people in ways that, you know, and honestly, I work very closely with my orthopedic therapist, and I know my limitations because I'm not doing exercise training all day long. I mean, I actually bring a lot of classes to the clinic so that I can learn as much as I can orthopedic because I want to not miss any of the boats. You just have to always be learning in every field. But Obviously, I work with my orthopedic therapist, and if they, like one called me in today um, for a wound in this patient um, and wasn't sure how to get that, and it involves too much edema. So even though she came as an orthopedic patient. So 
we work together as a team and it's really fun to be able to add that aspect. Um, but in terms of pelvic floor, yeah, that's a whole thing because a lot of times, you know, even orthopedic therapists don't want to go there. Like, how are your bowel and bladder? And if there's something wrong with it, you're not just asking them to send them back to the doctor or to look for red flags. We actually have a lot we can do to help you now. If there's anything wrong with your bowel and bladder or sexual function, we can treat that now. You know, we can yeah. help people. Well, so um, when I was 25, I sat down on a concrete bench with my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife, and I sat down and it was like, ow, <laughs> shooting pain up my rectum and like in the side of my gluteus and like in all these weird places and it hurt to sit down out of nowhere. And I was like, what is going on? And of course, you know, even five years ago, nobody had heard of pelvic therapy. And I remember that uh, my mom, after she had her big work accident um, and had worked with you and I had a neck issue, you know, she said, you got to go see Elizabeth. And so we did a lot of work on my jaw and you would go like inside my mouth and actually work the muscles from from inside. And like we basically <laughs> undid like, you know. 20 years worth of damage i think <laughs> yeah. you know through the through that time there and uh, i remember you suggesting that you know hey we got to check out your pelvis <laughs> and so i didn't even know that existed and so what what happened was is when i started to ask about this pain i was having in you know in my lower part of my body doctors would look at me like oh well we got a real cancer we got a real i remember one time i was in so much pain i went to the urgent care and the nurse is like, you want me to check where? <laughs> and like, she thought I was some weirdo. And I was yeah. so embarrassed. But I'm glad I researched because I found um, Dr. Weiss and a headache in the pelvis. And yeah. I found out that many people, especially men too, have this problem of like chronic tension in their pelvic floors. And it causes what, they're, what Dr. Weiss calls a headache in the pelvis. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, whoa, like that's, I'm having pain. I'm having all these things. And, um, you know, I did have an enlarged prostate and, um, but it was not cancerous. And so that was good, but it was still excruciating. And I remember days where I was in so much discomfort that I was going insane. Like I was just like, I couldn't, there was no relief. And, yeah. um, so I finally went to a urologist who's like, well, it couldn't hurt. And he wrote me a prescription for <laughs> pelvic floor physical therapy. I was like, I've never heard of that before. And I'm like, how have you not heard of this? Like, you know, mm -hmm. and we had done an eight visit thing and it helped so much. And then, you know, the insurance forgot about it. And I ended up getting new insurance and then finally got this doctor to say, go, go try this out. And, you know, the, the fact is that I have so much more well-being now and so much of that pain and issue is gone because we were able to do manual release on these ligaments and muscles inside where my, you know, I guess what was the ischial tuberosity? Is that where, yep. <laughs> that's where I always have these, you know, those problems. Yes. And uh, there was a lot of things, like you mentioned the gut. I mean, there was a lot of issues in my gut and um, working in my lower abdomen and that helped me to heal some things that I think were chronically like stuck or blocked or, or knotted or weird things like that, that, that just wouldn't, there was no other way to get there. And it's like, I could hardly get a masseuse to rub 
in my lower <laughs> abdomen because yeah. it's kind of it's kind of weird. And yeah. um, you you and your team just do such a good job of just not just pain relief, but also going into the soft tissue and helping it to retrain and to learn how to like not not go back to where it was. But it's just I I and I've talked to so many men that are like well, you're in physical therapy. You look healthy. What, why are you in physical therapy? And I'd say, well, it's a funny story. And I'd explain it to them and they'd say, I have that too. Mm, Yeah. It is truly a pandemic to use that word. I guess we shouldn't use that word, but you know, for men, young men, especially when I, I've lived in many States, I've been doing this 28 years and, um, and I, you know, when I started this 28 years ago, it was really hard to break into it because doctors didn't have any idea. And I didn't, there was no classes on it. You know, I just, they just started some classes. I just, luckily I have a mother and a father who are a doctor and nurse and I helped them in the office all the time. So when a patient said, I have pain deep inside, I'm like, of course, I'll just try to treat it. What the heck? I'll put a glove on and treat her. <laughs> and it fixed her. So I'm like, oh, my goodness. Why just open this whole world that made the whole office freak out, thinking we were all going to get sued because I was crazy. But <laughs> my b- boss at the time believed in me, and I'm very grateful. So I just started treating people and making it up and figuring it out based on my knowledge base and just using my gifts that I believe came from God to help people. And yeah. I just, and you know... The um, But that's the thing, especially when I moved to L.A., because a lot of people in the area where we treat in Santa Clarita are the stunt people, of course, and commuters who drive all the way into L.A., and people who sit at a computer all day long, and right. in your case, with the audio box and the, you know, music editing, all that kind of stuff, and, um, and then... Um, for the younger guys, you know, they're commuting, they're going to work, they're sitting on their computer, they're driving back, yeah. and then they're playing games all night, right? <laughs> and so then their pelvic floors are just a big friggin' mess. Yeah. Or we have the other thing, the workout guys, right? They're right. super macho fit, tight, 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 um, which, and then all of a sudden they start getting pelvic pain, right? right? And, um, and it's because, as your case, somehow you triggered off your pedendal nerve um, by how you sat on your internal obturator because you were kind of on the side, but it got the pedendal nerve in spasm and the muscle surrounding the pedendal nerve in spasm, which is your pelvic floor. Yes. Um, so this is where, um, you know, I think that I think the good thing that I do is I make people feel really at ease about it and just explain it to them. Like, well, your pelvis is full of a whole bunch of muscles and tendons and nerves and blood vessels and artery, yeah. you know, just as your shoulder and neck are. Yes. So, and the abdomen too, like you were talking about, I do tons of visceral work because there's no pelvic pain problem without somebody with gut problems. And sometimes- I have both. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes the gut problems drive the pelvic floor problems. Well, but if you tell the doctor that, they're like, well, why are you working on his stomach? Because it doesn't make any sense. But they do. Like the nerves all connect. Yes. And it's all interrelated. In fact, I had an interesting eval the other day. Um, and again, I see hundreds and hundreds of people. So there's, you know, that's anonymity. But then this is just a typical thing I see. So um, a man will come to me and he, with um, lower abdominal pain, 
for a year. Mm. And no, they, they, he did every study in the whole book. So medically, they could not find a thing wrong with him. So I started, Is it GERD? Is it diverticulitis? Yeah. Is it irritable bowel syndrome? Is it, uh, you know, a uh, problem with your, what's it, you're about to have a, a surgery, you know, or... Yes, or even a hernia. They did right? look for that. And it's exactly where a hernia might be, but it was a huge area, like... Eight, nine out of ten pain. I mean, this is debilitating this guy. All year. Yes. And obviously it didn't start out that level. But as you know, that pain gets worse and worse and worse when nobody can tell you what's wrong with you. And um, and And they start looking at you like something's wrong with you. (laughs) Yes. Like your head's crazy. Um, And so but I intuitively I did. I planted the idea. I Well, I knew it was probably his testicle. I just knew it. So here I am telling <laughs> the guy, um, I said, now, have you had any testicular surgeries? And that, I think I might have not even asked that until I at least felt a few things. I assessed the, his lower quadrant, his pelvis, his lumbar spine, because all of right. it's related. Right. And nothing. I couldn't even find anything except he was super fascially tight. But then I said, I bet you've had a testicular surgery to cause this, didn't you? And he says, what? Are you kidding? like years ago like you know I I had um, mostly men it's um, there he had a um, hydrocele fixed so um, I don't know what that is a vein so a vein that's um, blocked in the testicle oh okay um a varicocele is what they call it. So you just go in and fix it. Now in Africa on my mission trip, I unfortunately saw lots of young boys with this and men, and um, and they don't have surgery. So I had to teach them manual lymph drainage wow. to fix that. So they didn't even have access to simple surgeries that we have here. And oh, the other thing is um, when men have a vasectomy. Okay. So the... I'm not saying don't have a vasectomy because most men, it's way better than what you do to women to (laughs) not, you know, that's way better. So vasectomies mostly are fine. And I can fix it if you, you know, a pelvic floor therapist can fix it if you get a nerve entrapment from that. Right. Um, Which, and you know, his took a little while. He'd had it years ago. So it took a while for the fascia to get that tight and messed up. But the nerve pathway with the ilio inguinal iliogenital femoral nerves the ilioinguinal nerve goes to the genital femoral nerves and it just traps the nerves both ways so you get pain in both positions mm. so the minute i touched his testicle there it is it reproduced the pain in his gut right um, wow so yeah it's all interconnected and and very treatable Well, you know, I got to say, you know, the comfort level, not just with you, but with your team, because you are working in sensitive areas, it's like, okay, you know, all right, let's just feel better. (laughs) I mean, that's pretty much where I was at. You know, I've lost all, you know, okay, all right. And, you know, for for me, the undressing (laughs) part's like to your comfort level, pretty much as a therapist. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's amazing how much suffering can happen, especially also the embarrassment that comes around pain like that and the confusion when it's radiating other places and you don't know why so i mean you had mentioned earlier the driving before i started full-time in audio i was doing that part-time but i was also working in movies as a driver 
And so I would sit in my car for 14 hours a day and um, sit there with my right foot waiting to hear action. And as soon as I heard it, I was, you know, had to, so I had tense my whole right yeah. leg from my gas pedal. And then I'd drive home in traffic and I'd be sitting the whole time. So yeah, I was kind of always off to one side. And all my chronic problems are on my right side. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. And I think that's that's got to be a, a big contributor to how I ended up that way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I know I'm not alone. In fact, I know many audio guys who work way longer hours than I do. <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. The hours of L.A. Yeah. Yeah. And I work a lot of hours, but it's a lot of varied stuff. Um, and I'm obviously treating patients. It's just the paperwork I hate. That's the problem when you're sitting <laughs> and doing paperwork or doing, te- you know, desk jobs is really tough. So obviously, as a pelvic floor therapist, you do have to look at all of that. You're just not going to just treat the manual which is super important to break the cycle and you do self-treatments and then get the patient self-treatment, but you got to look at their body mechanics and their ergonomics and all of that. Yeah. See how they're moving. Yeah. You helped me when I rebuilt my studio, some of the suggestions that you made in terms of, well, could you get a way to get your screen like closer to you? Do you have a chair that you could sit in where your back is straight and the tension's off your shoulders. And, uh, you know, can you like customize the height of your desk so it works for your build? And I think I even, I remember, because I, I came out and looked at it at the time too. Before oh, I you about rebuilt. That. Yeah, I'd come out and seen it because I had never seen a, this kind of an audio thing, you know. Studio. Studio, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, so it was kind of cool. Yeah, so it is fun because, yeah, it's fun treating people in your own community because you it's nice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is, you know, because my podcast is about creativity, people are probably wondering, well, why are you having a physical therapist on your show? But I want to point out that you did start out when there really wasn't a manual, like an instruction booklet for this. Yes. Um, and that's the thing. And I, again, for me, of course, I really. I just feel like the Lord gave me a gift. So that's how I, I, who I am and what it is. And I always ask the Lord to help me. What do I do? There's nothing out there. And it wasn't in the days we didn't have cell phones. We didn't have computers. You, you know? couldn't Google it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So like, and now you can Google too much and get all confused. But um <laughs> But I appreciate patients Googling because then I can tell them, well, that makes sense for you. That doesn't make sense. But right. then I learn a lot from my patients, you know. Yeah. Um, oh, I didn't know that was out here yet. So <laughs> cool. But yeah, so that day I really had to learn to trust um, the my gifts and my instincts. And I still educated myself. I took every class that I could that there really weren't any on pelvic floor yet. Yeah. Um, they just started. but. Um, and, um, so I would say that, yes, I feel like I'm using my gifts and I feel like I'm creative and how that has grown through my career is because I did develop an internal trigger wand, an anal release wand. Yeah. I was going to mention that the the, the one is amazing. That's one of the reasons that I was able to start treating myself. Yeah, and um, because there really wasn't anything on the market available that I felt was safe um, to release. Their wand made vaginal 
and an anal one that was shorter. Um, Juan, so I called the owner of the company because she's in San Diego and a wonderful lady, started her own business. She's just a dynamo. And I just called her one day. I didn't know I was going to get the owner of the company. And I said, hey, I have an idea. But actually, it was about her vaginal wand. And I said, will you make this end softer? I can tell you exactly what to do because I think some patients need a gentler, rounder end. And mm. and then we can use it to release abdomens and viscera in their stomach when people are releasing C-section scars and stuff. And she said, cool, yeah, I'll do it. So then we became friends. And then I said, hey, I have an idea. <laughs> I think you need to release. Uh, I need my patients to be able to do their own rectal release. And there's really, this is too short, um, what you right. have on the market. And she said, okay, I'll send you a rod of plastic. And I took a heat lamp to it, and it took me a year to shape and mold it to get the angle that I felt was really safe for patients to do on their own. Yeah, that's um, important, right? Yes. Um, there's some things that can get twisted up, right? Yes, and then I there's there's nothing on the market that you could easily get to the coccyx, coccygeus muscle towards the coccyx. It was a lot easier to do rectally towards the prostate. Right. Um, and for women, you know, towards their vagina and off laterally to the internal pelvic floor muscles that go out to the piriformis and the muscles that go down the leg, but um, in the nerve, the sciatic nerve. So, so anyways, that was why I designed that. So it's fun to, yeah, just be creative. And I live in an area where we can make things happen, although it is slow. (laughs) (laughs) But, and the latest thing is I developed an internal electrical stem protocol that it took me. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So I have a class online. It's You can just look up the Pelvic Whisperer. And I have a class where I teach other therapists to do this because it is completely game-changing in terms of helping people with complete urinary and bowel incontinence or overactive bladder. If you don't want to, you know, go on medication that doesn't works sometimes unless it's an accurate diagnosis Mm. or if you just want to do it healthy build your muscle fast when you've had complete nerve damage for cancer reasons or having babies or um there's lots of reasons prostate surgeries those are the main patients that i really get great success um right we're talking people with a pretty embarrassing problem Yes. In that case. And then in, I just did a webinar for my pelvic floor muscle nonprofit. And I did, I presented five case studies there of really like a 34 year old woman in a basically a diaper at 34 mm. who teaches still high impact classes. So she was wow. not going to give up. She was a super amazing, and she is. And um, But now she's in, in no longer in a diaper, and it only took within a month or two with that internal oh stem. Oh, my gosh. Are you kidding? Um, her, um, and she'd have failed um, you know, surgeries for her pelvic floor, two surgeries. She oh. failed them at 34. And well, she'd and had three children. surgeries are so impactful. Oh, yeah. So even a failed pelvic floor surgery, I can help... Uh, Obviously, I do internal work, release of scar tissue, but a dead muscle, there's a lot of technical terminology that doesn't really matter here. Right. But a muscle that doesn't work at all, we it can turn it around and make it work. And the stuff on the That's market, amazing. what I did different is I, because I'm 
a think out of the box kind of person and I'm not scared to trust my gifts and my instinct, I was willing to not follow the protocols that the research that they did many, many years ago, Mm. they were staying within these parameters that didn't make any sense to me. I'm like, why would that even work? And plus, I was trying to do that on my own for my own prolapse after having my home birth son. That was 23 years ago almost. Um, But I was like, there has to be something better. I am not going to be peeing. I'm not going to leak when I jump on a trampoline. That is not working for me. Right. And and obviously that's a simple problem that – but – exercising and Kegels and I'm a pelvic floor therapist didn't fix it. The internal stem did. So I created, I changed all the parameters and I changed the probes that I use and um, just have this fantastic way. I'm just trying to get that word out. So just tell your, find your pelvic floor therapist, tell her to take the class and she can fix you. (laughs) Yeah. Well, see, that's what's amazing to me is like the, you, you've got your hands on people and you're working with, you get this sense, right? Of, people's bodies and how they actually work and what's actually happening when you're doing the work. And that's interesting because it seems like you're, you're doing almost like this kinesthetic learning as you go in yeah. a way that's, that's um, also augmented by your knowledge. And, and in this case, also a fearlessness, because I, I remember, you know, that's, there was a lot of, um, Oh gosh, like the doctor in Colorado who was molesting people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so people, I think, in the medical profession are afraid of malpractice. They're afraid of yeah. what might happen if this if this wasn't handled in a professional way. And so, um, you know, that's what's your way about it is, is like, hey, I got to help people. Like, this is something that needs to advance this is something that needs to move forward and it's not weird when it's with you it's not weird (laughs) yeah and that and you know that's i think why i teach young therapists too because um you know and i really credit all that to my parents just being so open about everything with me my dad's a doctor my mom the nurse you know and just providing me that gift of making people feel comfortable. And then also, you know, they were both of them and my dad in the office all the time as a doctor, he was, he would do anything to help a patient, you know, and that's the thing you want to, if you can't figure it out, I have to tell you this funny story that I don't know why it came to mind, but this is my background, right? <laughs> Tangent time. Right. Cause he, my dad loved to solve crazy problems, medical problems, right? So he was in the Navy doctor and there was a Russian submarine off the coast and they didn't know that we were listening to everything, not me, but my dad's and the, you know, so they came to the doctor on the sub, right? Or the, on the island. We were on the island. They were on the sub. And so they came to my dad and said, hey, there they have two um, soldiers on that submarine that are dying. They're really sick. They're weak. They can't move their arms and their legs. And my dad was like, well, tell them to come here. We'll fix them. I'll figure it out. <laughs> and this is during the Cold War. Right, right. This is exactly, they didn't even know that we knew they were watching us. And they did, though, because those guys were dying. And my dad 
brought him on board and he started researching and studying. He tested and he, he just happened to remember reading somewhere that, and he knew because he grew up, you know, he big scuba diver in the ocean, fisher guy, you know, fisherman. And um, he grew up um, knowing that I think it was a barracuda that you can't eat or it'll give you this some kind of a nasty disease that kills your brain. Oh. It goes straight to your brain and kills you. Wow. <laughs> like you die. So they they airlifted him to obviously where they had a real medical facility or, you know, a hospital and saved their lives. So we saved the Russians. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to my dad's creativity. Wow. But he was not scared to think outside of the box. And, you know, and he would sew up all the kids who got bit by sharks or hit by surfboards on the beach. You know, he'd show them up on our, sewing them up on our dining room table. So wow. that was just so, so is what this, he was. Where was this? This was in Florida. <laughs> oh, OK. Wow. Yeah, he grew up in Florida on the beach in Neptune Beach, Florida. And he was. Yeah. He'd sew them up on the table, <laughs> the dining room table. So, yeah, he yeah. Ca- you know, he just cared. So Well, and then, you know, you and I have talked a lot about a lot of things, and I know that your faith plays a big role in your bravery in in this direction, too, like your confidence level. Yeah. Um, Tell me a little bit about that. Well, you know, I guess I was just, you know, I just raised with parents who lived it. You know, my parents, they certainly talked about the Lord. We're Catholic Christians, and we went to church all the time. We went to catechism. But I think the most impressive thing was that they didn't just talk about Jesus, they lived it, you know. And um, they were always serving. And I have to say my grandpa even, you know, he was a doctor in this little small town in Florida. And all I remember is stories of him when at the time when there was segregation in Florida, he had a medical office at the beach and a waiting room was segregated, which he hated, but he didn't have a choice. Mm. Um, But he would just go out and treat all the poor blacks who didn't have any money and couldn't come in. So he was their home doctor. Hmm. And um, he treated them for free, my dad found out. And my dad would go (laughs) along. He was just a little kid then, and he would go along and help too. And um, But yeah, so that's, you know, that's my heritage, you know. So it was in our genes to just serve as best we can. heal the sick. Yeah, and hence my ministries and helping people. I guess I, you know, got into ministries helping people who have been abused in many ways. Obviously, they came to me through work treating pelvic floors because they have tons of pelvic pain, especially if they've been sexually abused, obviously, Mm. and cult abuse victims, witchcraft abuse victims of all kinds. And so, you know, the Lord was bringing me up in that way to be able to help patients with this, and my faith is strong thank god so that i can do these kind of things and hence my then my next thing was the mission trip to africa so mm-hmm. which was super awesome so you know every day is an adventure with the lord you are never bored when god calls you that's the thing people don't understand following god is super exciting because you wake up like today you know i came to just <laughs> check on your mom because she fractured something else you know busted <laughs> another bone and um and then you say hey let's do our podcast and i'm like cool let's go yeah so, we've been trying to do this for i don't know a year <laughs> at least maybe longer and i know you and i had talked i mean because we had a lot of time to talk while you're working and you know we talked about your business 
and you're like, oh my gosh, suddenly I'm in business and I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and actually you gave me <laughs> such great advice. So, um, well, that was uh, the thing. Like, um, it was interesting because you had a website and you had this course that you'd shot and you'd spend all this time on the videos and you're like, I just don't know how to make it all work. You know, and there was some questions about, you know, starting a business and how do you do all these things? Because there's so much to know. And suddenly you realize, oh, my gosh, like I'm doing all this stuff. Like you said, like paperwork. I'm doing all this stuff that I really shouldn't be doing. Like I just want people to have the wand so they can. And I want people to have the course and I want to train people. I like that part. I don't like the the business part. So, yeah, I remember helping you finish getting your photos right on your site and, yeah. you know, organizing the information <laughs> and how to kind of market it a little bit. And, you know, so now you're now you're a businesswoman and you're a marketing professional and you're also having to learn how to well, build a website. Absolutely. I am none of those things yet. <laughs> so that is still a work in progress. And, you know, the goal is to make money so that I can hire people who actually do that and they're gifted at it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so that's the challenge because, you know, it's hard, yeah, because I, I really love just treating patients and I'll never stop treating patients. So that takes a lot of hours. Um, so, yeah, it's hard. Was that uh, a hard mindset to shift in terms of this idea of like realizing that you needed you needed money to be able to make this thing happen and get to do the good that you were trying to do in the world? Was that kind of counterintuitive? Oh, yeah. My mind still doesn't go there. It <laughs> doesn't work for me. Yeah. Although there's lots of, you know, there's lots of PTs really into it. And um, and they're good at it and they're gifted at it. But um, it's a whole different ball game. You know, I probably never will be that very well. But I'll just, if God, God's going to have to do it if he wants me to do that too, you know. Um, but it's a work in progress. You know, I have a YouTube channel where I, I'm actually right now, my fiance, boyfriend, fiance is pretty much, yeah. Um, so my significant other, he is um, working on remodeling my rooms and the houses so that I can actually have a place to do my videos. Oh, that's great. And so that's kind of good. So probably I'm hoping to do a lot more videos soon because I know you said you'd like me to show a stretching video to guide you through how I like to guide stretches because I do yeah. do things different, I think, than a lot of therapists. Sometimes people come to me and their bodies are locked into a certain way, kind of like a book way of doing things. So I... I change that up a little for my patients, especially if they have not been successful. Well, and not only that, but it's really hard when you first realize you have this problem to even know where to look. Yeah. To find good information. You know, you Google stuff and, you know, do you have cancer? Do you have those? Oh, gosh, no. Like, what? Okay. And there's all these things that you have to go through. It's hard to find a good place to get educated. But then also, a lot of the information is not is wrong. <laughs> yeah. A lot of it is a lot of the stretches. I, I know for perfect example, the idea of kegels is like the panacea that everybody prescribes. But a lot of times kegels can be counterproductive in the mm -hmm. issue of um, when the muscles are too tense. And you want to downregulate. Yes, exactly. And so so there's a lot of right information out there is just for the wrong patient. So, right. you know, that's why it's always better to start with a one on one therapist that you can really find out about your body. And then you can find the right things on YouTube because there is a lot of good stuff, you know, but you just have to know what's right for your body that won't damage your body. Yeah. 
Well, you know, there's all these other connections with the body as well that I think a hand, like a physical therapist has a little bit of a more experiential knowledge of. So just the fact that I found out that the, apparently the jaw muscle and the pelvic floor muscles (laughs) are related. (laughs) What? Like, you know, if I have a pain in my neck and a pain in my pelvis, the two are aggravating each other. Oh, absolutely. And I don't even know many doctors that know that. Yeah, and that's why it's, you know, because there's so much that they know that I have no clue because there's no way we can all know it all. So that's why I think it's wonderful as we have a lot of doctors now in this area that are more knowledgeable and they they just like my docs around here that I love and I, you know, worked with for years, they're just like evaluate and treat, you know, like I don't know, but Elizabeth will figure it out. You know, they've ruled out the things they're supposed to rule out. They've ruled out the cancer, unless it's my cancer patient and I'm treating cancer issues. Um, And they've ruled out the stuff that they need to rule out. And they're like, "Um, yeah, just I mean, if I have African sleeping sickness somehow, then I want Dr. House, MD. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) You know, if I'm having, yeah, if I'm having uh, nerve pain, um, I don't want to get surgery or, you know, have nerve blocks if I don't need them. Like... Yes. You know, or drink or, you know, or take uh, Oxycontin. Oh, my God. When I first had neck pain, um, I was 23 and they prescribed me Oxycontin. And I said, no, are you kidding? And they're like, yeah, oh, yeah, it's everyone takes it. And now it's illegal because it's this terrible epidemic of addiction that comes mm-hmm. from these opioids. And uh, doctors were giving it out like crazy. And I said, no, I don't want Oxycontin. I want physical therapy. And the guy looked at me like I was inconveniencing him. <laughs> yes. And the funny thing is, is that, um, you know, to give Oxycontin or any narcotic like drug opioid to a pelvic pain patient is horrible because you're giving them constipation. which makes your pain worse. So, I mean, there's so many of my patients that do come to me for constipation issues that they don't know that's what they're coming to me for because they're coming for pelvic pain, but it's because their bowels don't work. Yeah. Um, Well, honestly, my bowels got better after all the visceral work that we did. mm -hmm. I have better constitution than I did because a lot of things that I think were stuck in there or just hadn't like from bad diet when I was younger and things they moved and like you said you increase the circulation and you reduce the pain and inflammation and that actually helps things heal Mm, yes it's amazing yeah it's you know just getting you looking at your whole body and figuring out all right so how can we get you to where you can be independent which is a long process for some people if they've had pain a lot of years and everybody's different you know a stunt person is going to have a different body than people who are more in the arts world sometimes. You know, it's right. a, it depends on how, what body you've been given by our Lord. So, and I like uh, to say that I, I have a lot of the stunt person injuries, but without the stunt person physical <laughs> training. So yes. I'm like a, you know, I'm like a dad bod gamer body, <laughs> but with like severe, like... <laughs> injuries you know and that just make it a challenging when your whole family is all these famous stunt people oh my gosh and that they're like you know non-stop adrenaline junkies which is 
crazy. Yeah, it's and I crazy. Don't, I don't like pain. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. And I'm treating these people. I'm like, one fracture anywhere in my body would have been enough, and that'd be it. I can't even. I can't even <laughs> handle it when I have popcorn stuck in my teeth. <laughs> It drives me insane. I want and, a broken foot or, you yes. know, yeah. And honestly, I think the the good thing about learning about your body, because really, truly, and, you know, I have been blessed. That's why at 55, I'm still doing all this manual therapy because I've been given a pretty good body. You know, I'm tough physically yeah. and I don't have that sensitivity, but the patients I treat are patients with these jacked up nervous systems that are just ramped up so you're sensitive to things you know that p under the what do they call it the the princess in the p yes that is not because they want to be a princess in the p no one wants to be that way it's because your Uh, nerves are that way and so helping educate a person's family is so, so important. Yes. So that their family knows they're not crazy because their sock is not on exactly right. Yeah. And they're not trying to irritate their parents because they can't get their sock on right or they need a mm. special sock that they can't feel the seam. But those are the people that do that end up me. with chronic pain. And yeah. they're not doing that on purpose. But, you know. You, you treat a lot of patients with fibromyalgia, right? Yeah. And we're finding out too more. I mean, people don't. Uh, use that term always exactly accurately, but it is real. But you want someone to differentially diagnose that correctly. So I get a lot of lipedema patients now who are, oh, I just have fibromyalgia. Well, no, actually you have lipedema. Your fat cells are abnormal. They have nerves and blood vessels running through them in an abnormal way. So Mm. that's why you've never liked to massage. You've never liked to be touched. And your hips are really big, but your feet are fine. There's this whole syndrome that has been ignored. And I see a lot of them because I treat lymphedema and chronic pain. And they all tend to be hypermobile people too. They tend to hypermobility, which is a chronic pain this creates a chronic pain syndrome for pelvic pain. So I see them for their lipedema and their pelvic pain. Yeah, It's a combination. So there's lots of stuff out there that we just need education on because there's so much to do to help people with, whether it's fibromyalgia, lipedema, just a hyperactive nervous system. Mm-hmm. There's so much to downregulate your system. You just need to be guided to good clinicians who know these things and can help you and can work with your whole medical team. Right. Well, we talked about how I've, I'm self-identified as a highly sensitive person. Mm-hmm. And Elaine uh, Aaron, who's done really good work around this, who's a psychologist, um, identified that one in five people is highly sensitive. So she said, for that reason, you can't call it a disorder. It's a part of the normal population. And so uh, what she says that mm. means is it's like people who their sensitivity is higher. Yes. To things. And it might just be, you know, nervous system. Yeah. But it might also be emotional. Yeah. And, you know, 10 individuals that their nervous system is sensitive, they do tend to be spiritually sensitive too more. Right. And so there's a whole nother realm there and in the spiritual realm um, that I believe should be addressed um, in... 
you know, obviously I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a, you know, a divinity educated person. I'm not. Um, but I believe that you can guide people to the right people. You can share thoughts with people. You can just be willing to hear, be willing to listen mm -hmm. and say, um, I don't think you're crazy. There is a whole spirit realm and look at your body. Your nerves are so ramped up. Why wouldn't your spiritual world be ramped up in your sensitivity? People for millennia have been reporting spiritual experiences and I know it's not very popular to believe that that could be anything other than someone's imagination but I think we do pick up on things I think that we're electromagnetically sensitive I walk by the MRI lab at your hospital and if I walk through that room for some reason I feel something <laughs> Yeah. Get these huge, powerful magnets. And I shouldn't feel that according to the current knowledge of science. Right. Like, yes. But I do. And, and it's real. And that's why your journey to healing your body and is still a process, but it's because for all the same reasons. Your nervous system is more wired up. We got to calm it down. You're sensitive to everything. And but see, the problem is, is that people who aren't and people who just break something and wait for it to heal and get back working out and like they their bodies are not going to feel the MRI machine when you walk by. So yeah. they don't know. That's just not their reality. Well, And they think that it doesn't exist. I, I right. always use the analogy of if you had a family member who couldn't smell. Yes. <laughs> and you walked by a skunk and you're like, ah, and you made it just any deal about it. You didn't even have to be a big deal, but you make the appropriate amount of deal about that. <laughs> and the family member with no sense of smell is going to look at you and go, what? And if you continue to say, you don't smell that, they're going to like go, no, like you, are you, what, what are you smoking? Right. <laughs> yes. And that's, that's what it's like. Um, and it's, it's interesting because I think Different people obviously have different sensitivities to all different kinds of things. And pain is one of them. I think our nervous systems are so inter intertwined and interconnected. There's so many nerves in your body that, you know, I mean, just to have like a hyperactive nervous system, um, like I can't imagine being someone with severe chronic pain. Mm -hmm. Because it would just be, it would be this constant and what that does to your psyche, you know, being in pain, it causes depression, it causes lack of exercise, which, you know, because it hurts to exercise. And so then that creates more problems. It's like this vicious circle. It really is. And then they, and we know that it, because of neuroplasticity, it actually truly chronic pain causes pain changes in your brain right that we but it will also downregulate. it will change back if you can figure out with your medical team and your physical therapist how to downregulate that looking at the muscles the nerves the joints and your daily life your whole surroundings so it's all just a big process that needs to come together and be treated as such you know oh my gosh neuroplasticity when i was a kid they believed that adults could not be treated for amblyopia which is the condition where one eye doesn't work with the other mm -hmm. after a certain age i think it was like eight and so I was nine or 10 and they said, we can't treat this because he's too old. 
And now the science is showing that actually, yes, you can, even with brain games and training your eyes, your brain can relearn and rewire itself. It is neuroplastic. Mm -hmm. And this is new. Like, scientists didn't know this because they had this underlying assumption like, no, the brain pretty much once it's done growing is done. Oh, yeah. There's a whole world of mind stuff out there now. It is amazing. And that's what's so exciting. And that's why I guess I get excited to go to work every day. My, I do not have a boring day. because Never. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, especially treating bowel, bladder, and sexual dysfunctions and lymphedema. And, um, and, and plus, you know, I sit on my way to work, on the way back, getting ready for work. I'm listening to podcasts and webinars and learning. Um, we have access to so much. And if you have the knowledge base to filter out what makes sense, what doesn't make sense, I mean, it's great. It's you an know? exciting world right now. There's so much information and innovation and there's so much to explore. Yes. And you come out with that curiosity. I was thinking about the fascia and I didn't even know I had fascia. <laughs> and so working with you and your team, like I learned like, oh yeah, the fascia is the tissue that surrounds your muscle and kind of holds it in. And some people have fascia that's too loose and some people have fascia like mine that gets too tight. Yes. And, you know, I was kind of thinking about it today and I'm like, you know, the, it's kind of like the mycelial networks that grow in the soil. Uh, I was talking to Stephen Bao, uh, who's a design scientist about it, and he was saying, you know, did you know that there's these networks of um, fungus that grow under the ground and they connect um, plant life to each other? And it's almost like a nervous network. And like people who are growing things, they didn't realize that this was such a crucial part of the soil. They just tear it out. And it takes like, I don't know, like 20 years to grow these networks and so, you know, like I was kind of thinking like, well, if that's like a big part of the, the puzzle, but most people are just going to treat the muscle or they're thinking about those, but they don't understand that that's like a part of, you know, how the body is holding itself, how it's going back to a certain um, way of holding itself. Or maybe, you know, if, if there's an injury, those fascias start to heal wrong and then things are too pulled together. Mm-hmm. Um, it's incredible. I mean, there's so much there there's so much about the body. It's incredible. And I mean, in that um, you know, that's why people who've had any kind of surgery should be treated. You need to release the scar tissue from the surgery. Even if it's minimal down the road, it can cause all kinds of problems. So, I mean, it's just something for people to be aware of. I think all people who have any kind of abdominal or pelvic surgery need physical therapy, but you have to find the right therapist that obviously does visceral work. And most offices in the country don't have pelvic floor physical therapy. It's so rare still. Yeah, I'm hiring. <laughs> <laughs> I need help. Yes, so. yes. And she She's a good teacher. Um, you know, going back to the issue of being highly sensitive, I had the coolest light show when I went to the ER and had a CT scan. Oh. Like they put me in that machine and I was like, huh, okay, this will be cool. And I closed my eyes and like they turned it on and I could see like pow, pow, pow. It was like all of these lights. And I'm going, I know that they're not flashing lights at me. Um, it's just whatever radiation they're doing. And it was, it was pretty cool. <laughs> like, oh, cool. oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, I hear all kinds of stories from patients who get these different studies and tests. 
And every single patient has a different experience, you know, because yeah. your body's different. You feel it differently. You think about it. Your past is different. So how you interpret what's happening to you. I mean, if people have been through a lot of horrible tests and studies and stuff in hospitals, they tend to have a more negative, like, oh, one more test and you're going to tell me I'm fine, <laughs> which is actually good because they'd rather be something physical therapy can fix than something that <laughs> they can find. Um, so it's good if they have negative tests. It doesn't mean you don't have something wrong with you. It right, means but you the just... process is kind of excruciating. Yes. Like, can and... you just please tell me what, what the problem is Yes. so and... I can relax and you can you know, have a course of treatment? Yeah, people just want some kind of hope and a pathway, something that makes sense that they can get, you know, we have so much knowledge there, you know, you you can't figure this out. Like, yeah, we just need the whole team. Yeah. Well, and you know, that that's something I definitely wanted to talk about um, while we were together is, you know, I learned from my mother who's been in the hospital a number of times because of stunts that you have to be your own advocate as a patient. Yes. Because, and this was the experience that I had. Um, I was, you know, in my 20s and I had excruciating pain episodes number of times. And it, it was interesting because like, I didn't know where it was coming from. Like sometimes I'd think it was back pain and sometimes I'd think it was the flu. And one time I thought I was dying. Like it was so bad. And I was at this uh, networking event and the lady who ran it said, you got to go see Dr. Wu. And I was like, okay, we were in Chinatown. <laughs> so we go to see this homeopathic Chinese doctor and he looks in my eyes, he shines a flashlight and he says, you have gallstones. <laughs> and I was like, what? And okay. And I didn't know what that was. So I, you know, everybody's like, well, what did he say? And I said, I, this, he said, I had gallstones. Everybody's like, ooh, that's serious. I'm like, it is. And I didn't know that. And so a couple of years went by. I didn't think anything of it. And I started having these pain episodes, severe pain. And one time, like, I, I didn't know if I had the flu or food poisoning or whatever, but I thought I was going to die. Like, I don't know. I passed out at one point and, you know, we're like, do we take me to the hospital? Blah, blah, blah. What's the deal? And then it went away and, you know, it was, I was fine. And so I went to my doctor and it was like, okay, well, you need to see a GI. So I saw the gastroenterologist and, um, it was weird because, you know, I, I had had this suspicion. I had another friend who had had gallbladder surgery and said, this is what it was like. And so I was like, huh, well, I mean, I've tried all these other outs, you know, they've, they've tried to rule out all kinds of things. So I went to the GI, it took me like, I don't know, four weeks to get in. And he looks at me, you know, we had done the, um, ultrasound and he, he looks at me and he says, you're 28. You're fine. He's like, mm. there's nothing wrong with you. Why are you here? Mm. And, I kind of almost wanted to shrink and just curl up into a little ball and say, you know, okay, you know, bye, whatever. And I don't know, something inside me just kind of went, no. And I finally found the words for it. And I said, because five weeks ago, I wasn't fine. I was very, very ill. And three weeks from now, I won't be fine. But right now, while I'm sitting in your office, I'm fine. <laughs> and he said, okay, there's one more test we can do. <laughs> so he ordered a radioactive dye test and they put the dye in my body and they took imaging of what happens when you activate the gallbladder. Turns out my gallbladder was 6% functioning. Wow. So I did not have gallstones. So, you know, the Chinese doctor was not 
spot on the nose, but I did have a gallbladder issue, and which he was spot on the nose, right? Right, and you would have not necessarily known to even check there because they told you, yeah. And yeah. yeah, and they, you know, they had ruled out, you know, there were no gallstones, there were no obstructions. And um, so then I had gallbladder surgery. And ever since I have not had the same kind of issues that I was, I would say my health improved 40 to 60% overall. Although, although I think we had to release those scars from that surgery. <laughs> we most certainly did. Man, when uh, one of your therapists got up, in, uh, it was Jade. In, in she diaphragm. got up above my rib cage and yeah. curled under and I was like, oh, That's I didn't it. know I needed this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it just made such a difference. And I carry myself with those wounds and it's like a chronic, you know, we don't, we don't remember. It's like, I, I really think about like, okay, so you're telling me I got to change the way I walk and the way I sit and the way I, and you know, my body just keeps wanting to go back. So when I get stressed, you know, what do I do? I curl up on that side and you know, the same problems happen. And it's like this constant process of being a part of my own healing and remembering, oh yeah, relax my jaw, breathe. Oh yeah. Yeah. Like, relax my sh- okay yeah that how am i sitting and it's so it's so important but it does it, it takes time to retrain yourself and had i not you know had i not looked for pelvic physical therapy i, I don't know if i'd be alive today i i might have i yeah. might have not decided to stay here on this planet i'm telling you this is the the thing that's sad is chronic pain I have not met a chronic pain patient who has not wanted to not be on this earth, who has not said, I don't want to live anymore. Mm. And then, so what I tell them is, well, uh, you wouldn't be normal if you wanted to live in pain. So (laughs) how about we get you out of pain so that you can live on this earth? Because I wouldn't want I wouldn't want to live on this earth either. Well, that's so important, releasing the stigma of having those thoughts. Yeah, because... that's normal. I mean, anybody who's had one pain episode want, wants to die, right? If you have one big, <laughs> like childbirth, right? Because during that birth, you want, uh, for us women, we want to die. Like, you, like, I can't survive this. So can you imagine that all the time? Well, wow. of course you don't want to be on this earth. And um, so that's the thing. We have to hear that them and not send them the problem is therapists too i believe get real scared because oh they said that word suicide oh my god i'm a mandatory reporter well i've never known one of my patients to commit suicide and they've all told me such a good point yes so the thing is we back them off their cliff and give them options right and if you tell someone and you report them i had one i didn't tell anyone but the they did in a hospital because that's because the chronic pain patient says i don't want to live because i'm suffering please she's crying out for help i don't want to live i can't live in this pain so what they do they called the said you have to go to the psych ward if you refuse they put you in handcuffs and take you to jail and that's what they did the most tragic thing so she calls me from the back of a police car actually she was in handcuffs she must have called me when she got to the hospital and so she didn't say i'm going to kill myself she said i don't want to live with this pain yes i said she says i can't live another day in this pain (sighs) and this was unfortunately a young doctor who probably had no idea what she she or he i can't remember was setting off and it was at a really 
good, prestigious university in Southern California. Um, and a tragic thing, a tragic thing, tragic thing. So then you put a chronic pain patient in handcuffs to jail. A person who's extremely sensitive in a very threatening environment. And then what would have happened if she had said, okay, put me in the psych ward. They want to throw psych meds at you yeah. and dump you in three days because they ha- you're only supposed to keep them three days. So, um, Yeah, and then what? Then what? This is my the dream that the Lord has laid on my heart. Someday we have to help that system. Well, because oh, I treat yeah. so many people, obviously with multiple personalities, which they call dissociative disorder now, um, the every name change, but you know, you're dealing with multiple personalities because that's what it is. Right. But um, and you know, these people with mental illness and whether it's you know chronic pain who become disabled, you need to have somewhere for them to be where they get good psychiatric care that's consistent with people who care and the system is failing them right now it is so that's my dream i have lots of ideas (laughs) um about that now so the lord has to open those doors so that it comes so it comes to be well you know i gotta say that psychology is one of the only fields where people's subjective experiences in terms of how they're feeling and what they're experiencing are included in the treatment yes and but the thing is so a funny story so i'm on the way here you know on these windy crazy roads um so i'm not the stunt person who lives out here right i'm driving like 40 miles an hour because i'm scared of these (laughs) roads but anyway of course i'm multitasking because i have so much little time so i had an appointment with my psychologist right i had three things i wanted to ask her questions because you know they're good at sometimes figuring out stuff for you yeah (laughs) and i think everybody needs a good psychologist now and of course you know I live in a Christian world with a lot of Christian friends and a lot of ministries, and they're leery of psychology. And I'm like, no, she's not my spiritual counsel. I call you guys my friends for that. And she can get my head right about relationships sometimes outside of, we all need to be working on this together. So um, when, um, so again, but the psychologist doesn't get to touch. So in that's so true. So I work with psychologists closely. And so I had a patient who came to me from another country and the psychologist knew there was something wrong with her pelvic floor, her vagina, because she had so much pain, couldn't be touched. And so the woman came to me and she was from Egypt. And so I tried to touch her vagina and I knew immediately she dissociated so I knew she was an abuse victim right so I called the psychologist because I had permission and the psychologist sent her here she wanted us to help her and I said well you know she's an abuse victim right she dissociates and she's like no because the woman didn't know (gasps) she had no idea she was abused she dissociates so that's how we as physical therapists can help because it's the touch that caused the trigger so that she switched, but she had hit that her whole life. No one knew. Right, and there's probably just a reason why she knows to stay the heck away from that experience. Yes. Yeah. So then we began this beautiful healing process, and she's in a wonderful relationship, was able to mm. consummate that relationship. and um, But she now the psychologist knew what she was dealing with. So right. we stayed as a team working with her. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah, it's a beautiful gift to do what I do.
Well, you know, and that's a new field that's emerging is the field of somatic therapy. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a very important field because trauma is held in the body. Yes. Vander Bessel talks about that a lot. I heard a great interview with paraplegic. That's when the two legs don't work, right? Right. Uh, paraplegic, who now teaches yoga. Mm-hmm. And he was in a car accident when he was 16 and lost the use of his legs. And he learned how to do yoga. And he said, I don't remember the accident. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But my body remembers Mm-hmm. the accident and so he had to go through this journey of learning how to heal himself physically and emotionally but the, the experience was trapped within his body and that is you know that's always what i like to say is the mind and body are linked yeah they're not as separate as we dissect them you know yeah and patients need to feel safe in a physical therapy clinic because yeah when you touch certain things you're like she dissociated but a lot of people just have a release and feel like they need to cry because something comes up you know yeah and and it's a safe good place to do that um so you know you know your body and this is why you know, it's counterintuitive for therapists to be treating rape patients, but rape victims have been traumatized physically, not just psychologically. True. So you can go to counseling, but until someone touches you in a safe, healing way and helps take your pain away physically, you can't transition to allowing a partner, a lover, someone who wants to touch you in a healthy way. And maybe mm. that's a way for them to learn. Yes. So as a physical therapist, I'm not touching, whether it's a man who's been abused or a woman, I'm not touching you in a sexual way. Exactly. But you learn the difference between safe touch, bad touch. So, right. you know, it's a, it's actually so healing for When rape your victims. body has to learn how to let go. I mean, it has yes. to learn how to trust and it has to know that this is okay. Mm-hmm. And and I think that was part of the experience, you know, even just of the finding out that I had muscles and nerves inside my body by my hips and pelvis that I didn't know about. Like I knew they they hurt, but you just kind of like point to parts on the outside of you because you don't think about Oh, yeah, there's muscles in there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you don't think about anything till it doesn't work. <laughs> and exactly. Till it hurts. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah, it's incredible, and and it's so connected, and the the healing process is, um, you know, and I think people get bounced around from field to field, practitioner to practitioner. Oh, that's this is a GI problem. Oh, no, that's not a GI problem. That's a you get bounced around from. Oh, that's you know, this is psychology. Oh, this is neurology. This is whatever. And I think if there was a little bit more cross communication, yes, about throughout the fields about pain management i mean i think you'd have a lot less depression yes i think sometimes not always but sometimes depression is linked to chronic pain yes and and this you know it's a thousand times better and so you know we just have to keep going in that direction so like recently and again oftentimes if i find something medically that i want a doctor to look at i've gone with the patient to the doctor's office and say tell me what that is i think this is wrong. I think you can treat this. Is this right? Am I, you know, I pointed out and asked the doctor what they think. Um, and then I'm about to host this year in April, a 
course run by a brilliant doctor, Dr. Goldstein, the one in New York, not the one in San Diego, who's also brilliant, who I love. Um, but uh, it's a vulvar dermatology course for doctors, nurses, and physical therapists to get continuing education classes. Huh. So this is, I'm bringing them in because I've already taken his class, but I'm the physical therapist. I can alert the doctor. I think they have this dermatological thing if they've missed it. But really, the doctors, I want them to increase their knowledge base because a lot of times, you know, doctors don't know specific dermatology of the vulva, which I sought that out to learn it because I I'm in the vagina a lot. Because I you're need working to know. with that tissue all right. the time. Yeah. I need to get my magnifying glass and know what's going on, and I need to be safe. So I'm bringing them there so that to open that door to more communication, nor more working as a team. So I'm excited about that. That's in April, so I'll be sending stuff around to my it's, local docs. It's very cutting edge, and you're fearless, I got to say. I um, am. <laughs> because I think, you know, you're in a profession where going against the orthodoxy can have repercussions um in a way because there's so much built into you know the the system in terms of even just reporting for suicide and how that how that is handled and with what level of care that is handled it could you really just change the course of the trajectory of and obviously you go above and beyond the call of duty and in <laughs> in being with patients in these other circumstances and so i just almost sort of wonder how, how you could uh have this amount of time. <laughs> well, but. I don't, but I, by the grace of God, I really don't require much sleep. I don't have that uh, gift. <laughs> I know. And that's the thing. That's why, um, you know, my patients usually really need their sleep, you know, and yeah. I really hate sleep. It annoys me. I hate eating too, because it takes my time away. So like all that annoys me, but humans need a, an aggregate <laughs> amount of food. Like <laughs> when I start feeding myself adequately, I realize, man, I'm taking up a lot of food here. Yeah. What? Yeah. Finding that right balance, but yeah. it just takes time because I did that a lot of years for my family. And obviously I worked part time then and I was taking care of my kids and volunteering in church and school and all that stuff. So my life is different now because I'm, you know, I don't have kids that I'm raising directly. Your um, kids are grown. Yeah. So you have a grandbaby. I have two grandsons <gasps> Two now, grandbabies. Two amazing wow. young boys who are just so super cool. I wish I lived really close to them, but I don't. And you have more energy than my 25-year-old sister. <laughs> oh, I'm telling you, I can't wait for those boys to get to come to grandma's. Yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait. <laughs> yeah, you and my mom have that in common. Oh, you can be yeah. throwing the baseball outside. <laughs> Definitely. Well, Elizabeth, it's amazing to have you on the show. Finally, I know we've been wanting to do this for a very long time. What are your links? How do people find you online if they want to get in touch with you to learn from you as a physical therapist or as a patient to find resources and where they might find treatment if they need it? So my website, again, I don't have a lot of time to do a lot of social media and stuff, but my website is Pelvic Whisperer. And then my YouTube channel is also the Pelvic Whisperer, Elizabeth Mackis. I work at a hospital in California in the outpatient physical therapy. I mean, we've been open the whole time, full time. People with pelvic floor problems don't not come to therapy. So I'm there. I'm working. Amazing. Well, there's so much more I could talk to you about. We talk forever in the treatment room. Yes, it's I miss great. it. But yes. yes, just to share with people because a lot of artists are in the kind of profession where you're sitting. It's the kind of thing that so many people 
can't talk about. They don't know who to talk about with. And this was a huge part of my journey and healing myself and um, working through chronic pain and the depression that came from that. And so I'm so glad we spoke about all those things. And Yes, thank you. It was super exciting. Yeah. My first I'm, podcast. Is it really? <laughs> I'm well, hoping there'll be more. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Well, we got to encourage you to start speaking and being a guest on other shows so you can share your wonderful knowledge and the endless energy that you have. Yes. Um, and it's good to see you again through the video camera. <laughs> I know. Yeah. You've done this very COVID safe. So that's good. Yes. All right. Well, thanks again, Elizabeth Mackis, for being on the Language of Creativity podcast. Keep being amazing. Oh. And thanks for being here. <laughs> Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thanks for joining us on the Language of Creativity podcast. If you like what you hear, subscribe and leave a review. I'm Stephen Levin, reminding you that everyone can be creative. And that means you.